Hello, Sac State students. Welcome back to the State Hornet Spotlight. I'm Rose Vega from the podcast section with podcast editor Robbie Pierce. Today, we spoke with Sac State alumnus Dr. Takoy Porter, a third-generation pastor, activist, and currently running for State Senate in District 6. Right. Hello. We are live with our guest for today, Dr. Takoy Porter. Thank you for coming, Doctor. Thank you, Robbie. And first question, just to start for you know some background for the listener. How did you get involved in activism, and why is it important to you? Yeah. Well, um, again, thanks for allowing me to be on your podcast on today. And I got involved in activism basically through my church. I'm a third generation pastor. I pastor the Genesis Church in South Sacramento, and um, been doing that for 21 years, a little over 21 years. My father started the church. And um, the Black church is known for its activism. It's the, been pretty much the root or the center, central part in um, civil rights and uh, with Martin Luther King, Jesse Jackson, keep on going, Andrew Young, what have you. And, um, you know, it's not until recently where um, with the Black Lives Matter movement, that you haven't seen the Black Church involved as in you know, the forefront of it all. But I've been involved. We've been involved in that, in advocating, and activating, and activism. Um, I said we came back around to the forefront of it all. Um, my I did, due to the Stephon Clark issue, which occurred about a hundred yards away from our church in our neighborhood in Meadowview. And so um, with that, we, we knew that we had to do something, we had to be involved and to just help and serve. And it was from that um, tragic um, death and event that happened in our community that we decided to um, be more active in that activist role. There was a quote in the story about your run for office in which you mentioned that the black church in its history has always been in front of the civil rights movement. It's been the hub of the black community for many years. It's probably the last truly black owned thing for our community. And you mentioned some of those same things in your answer just now. I just wanted to ask you, what exactly do you see as the role of your church for your community? And why do you think it occupies that role? You know, the, the church for the African-American community and culture for many cultures, I'll say, is a place where, you know, sanctuary, that, that the very definition of sanctuary is safe place, right? And so it's a safe place for um, those who don't feel feel so in their communities, don't they may feel outcast. And so the church plays a vital role, and I believe this is true for all communities, in where um, it could be that safe haven for um, persons who desperately need it um in the in black community in african-american communities um the church has played that um uh, role for years upon years to start with that i think for a while they've kind of broke away from it um just because of i would say progress if you will and it made many of us didn't think we needed you know we thought we may not need the church and so you saw it kind of back away from that role and advocacy, but you still see Black church be involved in outreach and other things, efforts. I would say with the killings of George Floyd, Stephon Clark, and not Ambrion Taylor, things like that, you see that, you know, all hands need to be on deck <laughs> for this situation with the resurgence of um, racial violence that's occurring within um, our society. And so I think the Black, role, Black church is coming back into that role, not necessarily to be in front, but to to walk alongside those activists and our millennials and 
and you know persons who are out there in the streets i think you need to have all bases covered in order for progress to be made and how did you get involved with the national action network again from the stefan clark um situation. So the family had reached out to Reverend Sharpton, and then I have some friends, uh, one who at that time ran the president of the Oakland chapter of the National Action Network, Reverend Charlie Haynes. He's a pastor down in Oakland. I knew he was with Reverend Sharpton. I said, hey, you guys need any help, you know, with um, what you're doing here? Because again, we were involved, we were involved in the funeral services for that um, when up here in Sacramento. And he was like, yes, we're going to need some help because there's no chapter um, here. There's no presence for the National Action Network. And, he, and Sharpton made a promise to be with the family, which he has really kept up with. And, but he still needs some hands, some feet on the ground to do that. They were like, yeah, we need to start a chapter. <laughs> so, I mean, from one phone call, you know, I got from National Action Network, their headquarters, and Reverend Sharpton, they said, hey, can you start a chapter? We need a presence right there. The minute I, I said, I said, yeah, sure, not knowing what I was going to jump into, but the minute I hung up the phone call, I got another text saying, okay, go down to Cedar Chavez for a rally, uh, plaza for a rally, and off we ran. And then what what is it like working with a national public figure like Reverend Al Sharpton on these issues in your own hometown? Right. So, you know, it's like um, jumping into the deep end of the pool, right, <laughs> of uh of straight up activism, you know, or learning from a master, um, a controversial figure, just, you know, of course, but then, um, you know, what I've learned from Reverend Sharpton is, I mean, he is a straight up shooter. He really believes in what he's doing. I saw his dedication, his work ethic in that, you know, the fly from New York to California, you know, and then for a day, then come back, go back to what he's doing is a level of dedication that a lot of people don't have in anything. So I've, I've just learned so much from Reverend Sharpton. I've learned, how to, I've learned how to even do more outside of my role as a pastor, um, going into um, being with the uh, Clark family and really making a strong bond with them. Um, Fonte, Mother Sequita Thompson and Sequette um, also you know, just also they they allowed me the opportunity to move into spaces that I didn't, I had access, but and some I didn't have access to. So, um, of policy making, you know, in, at the state capitol and also in D.C. Um, and rubbing shoulders with our uh, state legislature legislators and also our um, national um, Congress persons. You've kind of already touched on it, but what has being a community leader taught you about activism? I think the key to activism is doing just that, act. You know, you have to act, you have to get out there, just be available. You see some of the uh, showcasey work with press conferences and stuff on TV and, you know, the marching, which is, um, and rallying, which is hard work, but the behind the scenes, you know, stuff behind it. Um, it takes a level of dedication and commitment because you just never know what type of backlash and um, or your resources are coming from to help support what you're doing and what you are advocating for. And so it takes a lot of courage to be an activist. It takes a lot of faith to be an activist um, and know-how, um, flexibility, agility, 
um, right there so you can navigate whatever comes um, to you and, and sacrifice. You know, it's, it's, you're really looking out for your fellow man and woman. You are being your brother's keeper. So you've done a lot of great work through activism. You have a very long career of it. But something you mentioned in the story uh, was you can get yourself to the door with activism, but it's hard to get into the room where the decisions are actually made. Do you think activism has some limitations in the end? And if so, what can be done to overcome those? Right, right. Well, well, I don't want, never want to downplay activism and the role that it has in our country, our state, city. Um, it has gotten me to the door. It's gotten... I've seen other fellow activists get to the door and into some rooms, but then the idea of you can influence policy, but actually creating policy and um, the, deciding that final decision on policy that this will occur for in, in regards to police form reform. This will occur. Uh, this is the law for um, voter suppression or voters, voters' rights. This is the law in regards to homelessness. You have to be elected. You have to be in the room. Um, you have to be an elected official uh, to do that. And so, uh, to me, that's where the limitations come come to. And so, I look at the role of activism as one of you know your, your you can protest out the door and protest protest and rally outside of the of the room, but then the final decision is made right in the room, and that's the limitations of it right there. And which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you are currently running for state Senate District uh, 6. Um, uh, not to jinx you, but if, if this specific race doesn't work out, do you plan on staying involved in the electoral process? And if so, in what manner? Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, first of all, I'm, I'm in it to win it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's, 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 the, that's plan A, B, C, D, E, you know. I'm going that way. Um, and then also, you know, if by chance that does not occur, I will always be involved in activism and advocacy in one way or the other. Um, again, through my pastoring at uh, Genesis Church, you know, I'll continue on with the National Action Network as well. I'm doing the great work that we're doing. We're just really getting started being uh, in that entity here in Sacramento. Um, we've done some great work so far, but we've got some even greater work to do with that. And so, and they never know what doors will open and where the path will take us in regards to um, how we can be influential and create change in Sacramento. So you have your role as an activist and now as a politician, and you have your role as a pastor. Both are very community-focused roles, both involve representing people. For you, do you see them as sort of the same role? Where's the boundary between them? How do they play off of each other? Yeah, I, I really see this as uh, uh, two sides of a coin, if you will, the same coin, you know, as a pastor. To, to, well, let me just start here. I believe that pastoring and doing spiritual work, uh, clergy work is a calling right there. I also believe that politics is another calling as well, because you are again serving people. You're being a, a servant-minded uh, leader, a servant-driven leader in that. So I see that um, being a politician, advocating for people in that space, um, very the same, or as an evolution of my original call as being a, a pastor. You know, so serving people and spiritually serving people in the community. 
And then this is another way of serving people uh, um, politically in the state legislature. So I just see this as an evolution of this call. And what would you say to young people uh, today who want to get involved in community activism? Well, first of all, I'll say you are the ones getting involved in um, in activism. You know, you are showing the way. Um, you are out there in the streets. You are. You have. You all have led this movement. I remember in the Sacramento Peace Rally that was held right after George Floyd's memorial, which which I was involved in in Minneapolis. So I flew back from from there. Then I was on to speak at that march. I, I it was downtown, and I think at that time, you know, about all the marches in California, this one in Sacramento was the largest one. There was like twenty thousand or so people um there i remember I, I brought my whole family you know to the to the march and we couldn't find a place to park so i uh, a nice policeman <laughs> believe it or not allowed me to just park illegally because like i gotta get on the stage i have to get up there i get out and we start marching and it was all surrounding surrounded surrounding me and my family the marchers are not people that look like me and though i say that is you know they're not black they're they're white they're young they're they're old, they're, they're um, different ethnicities and stuff and holding up signs and saying and shouting, Black Lives Matter. I mean, it was like, it was empowering. It was um, inspiring. And it was kind of funny too, we could see, you know, uh, a Robbie shouting at the top of his lungs, Black Lives Matter, you know, and I was like, this is great, you know, because this tells us that this is just not a Black thing. This is a human thing, it's a human rights um, movement right here and um and i was like this is just wonderful how we have evolved from the 1960s and um, going where you know for many times african americans felt like they were so alone in this struggle from 60s 70s or so i was born in the 1970s so i have that history right there seeing that struggle um in what my kids call the uh, late 90s <laughs> you know things like that and um, now to see how that mantle has been passed over into the space of where young people are leading the charge in this. So I would say, Rose, you all are doing it and to keep on doing what you're doing, keep on speaking, don't be silent, keep marching for what is right. Um, and I would say that you're on the right side of history on this. And we will look in our history books and we will be pointing to a Robbie, we'll be pointing to a Rose, um, saying, look at what they have done and what they have said and the change they've made to make Sacramento, California, and our nation better. And why is it, do you think, that we've seen that increase in solidarity, that sort of widening of the tent? Well, you know, um, what's happening, just look at the simple demographics of America. You know, we have gone from um, leave it to beaver, black and white, to live and living color, 4K, right? <laughs> and stuff in our demographics, some call it the browning of America, but it even goes beyond that um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a rainbow. It's a, a multi-ethnic, uh, multicultural, um multi-faith um uh, that we that we are living in that we are seeing in america that's happening 
And, um, and so with the change in the dem demographics leading that, um, I think you have naturally, you know, young people, it's, again, I forgot multi-generational as well. So you have generational changing happening right now. So as you all grow up, um, are from, you know, I'm Gen X, Gen X. So as the generations that come behind me, Gen Y and Z, you know, come into power, I think you're going to naturally see this leadership change, this focus that's, that's going to, um, um, encompass, you know, who is leading. And so it is, it, it, the leadership has to reflect the persons that are leading it. And that thing's just a natural things happening. Well, did you have anything you'd like to add? Um, well, thank you. Thank for inviting me to the <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm so honored to be able to um, be with you and I have to have the story written in the state Hornet, I believe, um, there. And Stephanie did just a great job in doing that. And remember, in 2022, if you're looking for someone to vote for, it's uh, check out past the Porter, the Coy Porter for State Senate District 6 2022. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today, Pastor. Uh, we'll be sure to link the full story in the show notes of this podcast for the audience, and as well as all the campaign info for Dr. Porter. So until next time, thank you all for listening, and please stay safe.